Welcome back to Under the Same Sky. A podcast that aims to broadcast content related to interculturality, diversity, multicultural education, inclusivity, and equity. This is a podcast offered by the International Association for Intercultural Education with the participation of different collaborators. Today, Chauvin Haide, Guillaume Fernandez Villa, and me, Tatiana Espinoza Castro, three master's students of the Program of Cultural Psychology of the University of Amsterdam, will speak about an exciting topic intercultural relationships. These conversations are based on the outcome of our master thesis, which were supervised by Dr. Michel Boyga. This was an interesting journey that also enhanced our own personal experience, as each of us is in an intercultural relationship. In this episode, we will speak about three topics, emotions, language differences, and social support among intercultural couples. We hope you enjoy it. Hi, Guillaume. Thank you so much for being here today, for sharing your experience about the master thesis and about your personal experience. Thank you so much. Yeah, thank you for having us. It's nice to yeah. uh, get together again. Sure. Yeah, thank you for inviting us. I would like to ask you like a bit uh, about the process in general. How was it or how do you get to choose the topic of intercultural relationships, intercultural couples? For me, I think it was interesting first because um, I'm an intercultural couple myself, so that caught my attention and uh, also because of our masters, the cultural psychology master. So I thought it was something nice that I could dive into and I could also relate with my personal stories. Also similar, also in an intercultural relationship. But beyond that, I think, yeah, like the having studied intercultural the having looked at cultural psychology I think it's a topic we don't get to explore a lot or even within psychology I don't think there's much explored with romance and with couples and I think it would be just the opportunity to sit down with uh, intercultural couples and talk with them um, I think it's also because intercultural couples are becoming more common and I wanted to talk about their experiences and see and yeah just get to uh, get more familiar with the subject Before starting, I think it's important uh, to define what an intercultural relationship is. And a very basic uh, definition of it is that it is an intimate relationship formed by people with different cultural backgrounds. And by cultural backgrounds, we understand nationality, language, religion, ethnicity. This is what we understand when we, when we say culture in the first moment, right? in a very broad sense, let's say. Like for instance, my culture is Colombian and Latina, and yours is Spanish and European, and your Chauvin is Irish and European, right? Now, culture goes beyond the mere definition of, for instance, nationality or languages. And a nice definition of culture by Marcella and colleagues that I liked and that helped illustrating the definition of cultural relationship is that culture implies 
sets or references of behaviors and meanings that are socially transmitted, so that are available in the society we grew up with and that are transmitted to us. To us. And these references are represented internally by, for instance, values, attitudes, beliefs, and also no notions of personhood. This means that within each culture, we have conceptions and beliefs of certain characteristics that a person should have or how someone should act, what is wrong, what is good, etc. So basically, an intercultural relationship is understood as an intimate interaction between people that might differ in the references of the world. So to people that might differ in their ways of giving a sense of their world, of giving a sense of what surrounds them, of notions of personhood, of beliefs, and is uh, the interaction between two people that also may differ in the ways they behave in that reality. And now um, I would like to ask you guys, what is the relevance of this topic? Why are we talking about it? And why do you think it's important to talk about it? Um, I think that uh, it's relevant to study intercultural couples or intercultural relationships uh, because now with globalization and with migration, with traveling, there's more and more intercultural couples happening. And from the literature available, we know, uh, or it seems that partners in intercultural couples are more dissatisfied in the relationships uh, compared with couples with same cultural couples. And also, for example, in the Netherlands, the divorce rate uh, in 2012 for intercultural couples was significantly higher than for, for same cultural couples. So I think that the relevance is that for counselors, for the couples themselves to succeed, it's important to know what's going on there and and what we can do to, to tackle this. I want to ask you also, did you, while studying this topic, did you see your personal experience reflected? That's a good question. <laughs> <laughs> I think it made me, maybe not things, but I think um, reading into the topic I did, Come to your realization also, I think the fact of uh, not only being an intercultural relationship, but also an uh, inter-ethnic relationship. Yeah, I, I think it made me relate to some of the things in that, like you can have a lot of positive sides of being in an intercultural relationship. And I think talking with some couples of like being attracted to each other, partially because you're coming from different places. And I remember one couple in particular and uh, one of the partners told me that she truly believed that they were together uh, because they were so interested in each other's cultures and they were just so fascinated by that. And I, I thought that was really nice. And I think I have moments where I appreciate that we're from different cultures, that uh, my boyfriend's from Hong Kong, I'm from Ireland, and we get to show different sides of things. For example, like I got to eat like Chinese hot pots the other day. <laughs> I couldn't pronounce half the things I was eating, but it was really good. Yeah, so I think that side of it I got to explore, which was really nice, kind of like bringing to attention some of these things that I just take for granted now. Okay, guys, so I would like to invite you to tell me something about your thesis. What was it about? What interesting facts you can share with us? Anything you want to tell us? Yeah, sure. Uh, yeah, so my thesis looked at emotions and how emotions work in intercultural couples because 
for example, Godman, he's a scholar that has looked a lot about a lot in emotions in general couples, and he's found that they predict divorce with 93% accuracy. So they seem to be really important for satisfaction. And also Anderson and colleagues found that emotional similarity is also really important for couples. So I wanted to see the particular role of emotions in intercultural couples and if they could have something in explaining why intercultural couples are more dissatisfied. And that's because we know that different cultures have different relational goals. For example, some cultures might be more likely to promote autonomy, which means that in a couple, maybe people are more likely to want to maintain their, their independence, whereas in other, in other cultures, maybe other relational goals are relatedness, which means that partners would be more likely to kind of look to be one, and these different relational goals kind of promote different also emotions, like excitement, for example, in the case of independent cultures, or calm in the case of interdependent cultures. And I wanted to see how, if this was affecting relationships. And to do that, I did interviews and I was I tried to identify what are the possible challenges or what are the potential differences, cultural differences in emoting that intercultural couples find. And I also wanted to see if emotional understanding of each other more than emotional similarity is what is related to relationship satisfaction. And in that case, I found that Emotional similarity is not was not correlated in my study to relationship satisfaction. So what mattered for the couples in our study was that they understood each other's emotions and that they accepted each other's emotions. So the main findings that I had was that the cultural differences in emoting that they found were usually based on appraising situations differently, like partners were putting out their cultural specific knowledge that made them have different interpretations of situations and those different interpretations generated different emotions and that could lead to misunderstandings. Other cultural differences in emoting that they found were different ways of experiencing and expressing the same emotions. Like for example, some partners felt like the other was suppressing uh, their emotional experience. One example of how the partners appraising situations differently was one couple that she was telling me that it was hard to let him understand how hard it, hard it was for her to be uh, without her family and be far from her family, because she said that Venezuelans are very close to family and very fusional with family. And she said that he he couldn't understand why she was feeling sad about this. And for example, this, now on the strategies that I found that intercultural couples were using to manage these cultural differences in emoting were, of course, open communication. But I also found that open communication about cultural differences was difficult. It required time, energy, and consistency over time. So for couples that that were very busy or just couldn't put in that time and effort to communicate about their cultural differences, they felt like that was a problem for them. Another strategy that I found important was accommodation. That is basically modifying behavior to accommodate the cultural differences in emoting or practicing understanding and accepting the cultural differences in emotion. And yeah, in a nutshell, I think that my study is a, a, a kind of a framework to understand how emotions work in intercultural couples and what are the potential cultural differences that they may have, what are the potential strategies that can be useful to deal with these cultural differences. And also, actually, it's not important that uh, this is to be important for partners to be similar in emotion, but just that they can reach these emotional understanding of each other and, of course, maybe become similar over time.
it was for your participants, let's say, that obvious, the cultural component when they thought about emotions, like, yes, my partner is from another culture and thus, like, we differ in our way of emoting or understanding each other's emotions. What's that's a very good question because that's something that I struggled in my thesis, not to try not to force the cultural component in their stories uh -huh. about their relationships. Mm -hmm. And and I tried in the interviews to kind of ask them about differences in emoting and then ask them why they think that this difference were happening. And of course, I think that this kind of made them free to say that they they had difference or not and they might be the two culture or not, but of course they knew that the study was about intercultural partners, so maybe they had culture in their minds already when they came to the interviews, uh, and that was a difficult thing to control. But I think that they they believed that in this they believe what they said, they believed what they said, and they believed that those were cultural differences. And also, some of the interviewees didn't think that they had cultural differences. So yeah, I think that the way or they felt free to say that they didn't have any cultural differences. So probably the ones that did say that they had they thought beforehand, before coming to the interview, that those differences were influenced by culture. That's that's really interesting. Um, I think the topic of emotions in intercultural relationship is very interesting and important. I mean, in any relationship, it is about emotions flowing and understanding each other at very deep levels too. And it happens that for instance, I might expect my partner to, for instance, realize that something upset me and sometimes even the reason for me to be upset. But as you say, the events that generate certain emotions on us might differ as well as the emotion itself because of a cultural component. As for instance, you were saying about the, the more interdependent and the more, the more independent cultures that generate different emotions. So this creates like a barrier, let's say. So for my partner, it won't be that obvious why I'm upset. Mm, and this means that in an intercultural couple, because that extra characteristic, it requires partner to be open about emotions in order to create a mutual understanding of it. Yeah, and as, as you said, sometimes it's difficult to tell if this is right because of culture or because we just like different personalities or like different friendships that influence us. But maybe participants were noting a pattern in, for example, when they traveled to the place of the origin of origin of the partner or something, and they kind of thought that it was related to culture. But yeah, no, I think exploring emotion definitely is an important part if you know, you have intercultural couples, you want to seek therapy or want to, um, yeah, it's like explore and working on the relationship more. Um, and I think, yeah, like we were saying with culture, it really adds on an extra layer of like teasing out if this issue you are having is just a, maybe a personality one or if it's a, a culture one. And I think that can take time to work on. Yeah, so I think it's really nice then that you have this research that you're looking into to find out more about it. I think it's really cool. And uh, now I would like to talk very briefly about my thesis. So it was focused on language differences. I was focused on intercultural couples that were multilingual couples. This means that they differ in their mother tongue. I also made interviews like Yem and Shuvan, 
and I interviewed three groups that had different characteristics in terms of their communication pattern they use in the relationship. So for instance, I interviewed people that in their relationship, they spoke a foreign language as well as their partners. Those that um, spoke a foreign language and their partners, their mother tongue. And finally, those that spoke in their mother tongue, but for their partners, it was a foreign language. And my question was then addressing how language differences had an impact showing, let's call it, who we are. I will give an example of this. For instance, there is a person that considers himself or herself as extrovert, very talkative with everyone, and that's how this person will describe his or her personality. However, when being in a multilingual relationship, this person feels that Due to the language difference component, this characteristic of being extrovert are not there anymore. Or on another case, language could not make a difference. So I wanted to see what happens in the perception of one's uh, characteristics, of one's identity, one's personality when communicating in a different language in such intimate level in a romantic relationship. And I also explore how language differences had an impact on my participants' emotional communication. And this was based on the wireless work and a scholar that has studied the topic of emotional communication in multilingual partners. And what I found in my study was that some participants did not feel that language differences had an impact when showing who they were or who they consider was their identity to their partners. And this could have different reasons, such as familiarity with the language they spoke in the relationship, uh, length of the relationship, or just didn't perceive language differences as a pivotal thing. Um, on the other hand, there were some participants that did feel that language differences had an impact. And this was either for participants that spoke in a foreign language in the relationship, but also for participants that spoke in their mother tongue which perceived that their partners that spoke in a foreign language will be different when speaking in their mother tongue or in a foreign language um, with them. And among the points that came across that were those, let's say, with more impact because of this linguistic difference, there was, for instance, humor. So, for example, so participants felt that they were not as funny as they will be in the mother tongue, that it just didn't come as natural or that they had to explain twice or three times a joke, a meme. So they just stopped doing it. And this is something that is not only related to the language differences, but also to a cultural component. So it's very difficult, for instance, for me to show my boyfriend something that is funny in Colombia and that has Colombian um, like references that only we understand and have to translate and contextualize him about the joke, then it stops being a joke when you have to explain and explain. So some of my participants uh, mentioned that humor will be affected by language differences. Um, another thing was the communication of feelings and emotions. And about this, some participants felt that because of X language, because of the couple language, was not uh, the one they were used to communicate deep thoughts or their feelings and emotions, like put those things in words, make us put a very abstract thing and doing it in a language that is not our mother tongue can be very challenging. 
so it will give the feeling of missing something of each other. I recall a participant that said that she was feeling that her partner will never completely see everything of her, and not necessarily in a bad way, um, as she said that uh, it was for her actually like a way of creating a new side of herself with her partner. But still, she wonder if her partner will ever see that, let's call it a Spanish-speaking part of her, that she believed it could only be perceived if the other person understood Spanish. Also, something that uh, really caught my attention was a distinction that some participants made, uh, specifically one saying that her partner, who was the person in the relationship that is spoken a foreign language, uh, was having a sort of two persona the Dutch-speaking persona and the English-speaking persona. And even if she was not proficient in her partner's mother tongue, she could realize about this change of aptitude when she saw him interacting with friends or family. And this is something that all the participants noticed of themselves or of, other, or of their partners. So there was a change in who these participants were and perceived themselves in their relationship. However, it was not always with like a negative connotation. For instance, there was a participant that mentioned that in her mother tongue, she was never the kind of person of using sweet words and being super effective with her language. But uh, when she started her relationship in which she has been speaking in, in a foreign language for quite some years, she felt like she developed another person. A more lovable, a more affectionate with the words. So she call she called it her language of love, which was not her mother tongue, but it's the language in which she developed this affectionate side of her. And also there was people that felt that due to language differences they had to change aspects of themselves that they didn't like. So it was something actually positive. For instance, they will get into heated dis discussions easily in, in their mother tongue. But because of language differences, they had to become more patient, calmer. And this is something they appreciate. She was something positive for them. And there were also other areas in which I could identify language differences having an impact. Like, for instance, in social situations with family and friends of their partners. And then what I also wanted to know in my qualitative study was what kind of coping strategies participants and their partners will develop and use when finding challenges in showing themselves or communicating a foreign language. And as GM, it was all about open communication. It was about being clear and giving time to each other to explain what certain things mean in each other language and clarifying points. So openness and time seemed to be the key. And finally, what I think was the finding I liked the most was how multilingual couples at one point have their own love language. The love sur surpasses the linguistic differences and a unique channel of communication and unique language is formed within the couple. And yeah, let's call it the love language. And this love language goes beyond the language itself and is formed by elements, by meanings that are mutually understood by the couple. For instance, it could have the form of language switching, depending on the situation, or using words of each other language. Or, for instance, some participants mentioned that they will not imagine themselves speaking in another language with their partners because that's the language they identified as more emotional and characteristic of their relationship. So, is their love language. So, all in all, 
this was my thesis and I believe there is so much to explore regarding how multilingual couples develop their own channel for communicating and how this linguistic difference can have an effect in other areas um, like for instance raising children communicating with each other families and so on yeah I think it's a also pretty interesting thesis particularly because intercultural couples you can have a whether you know just we'll say like a couple where they're you know maybe Russian and Finnish where they're on the border they might have a very similar cultural background maybe similar um, emotional displays but still have two different languages which don't work and I think that's really interesting that yeah like you're saying that for couples that they get to yeah like having almost like a split persona which is I it's interesting that some couples see it in a a little sad that they don't get to show that to their partner but I think it's so nice that they find this solution of like creating their own little language and I do remember like interviewing this one couple and um, one of the partners told me that they started creating their own little words together and I think that's just so nice that um, of a way of overcoming it and really coming into creating your world as a couple yeah it's quite beautiful yeah for me it was really interesting because it made me reflect on a personal level and how my identity has not changed but just developed with being in an intercultural couple because you know like my partner is from Canada and she she speaks English and we're speaking business relationship and it was it's dating I think for me dating uh, someone who is from uh, such a different country and with different language is a ch- is, was a challenge it was getting out of the comfort zone but I th- really think it was for good because it made me develop or made me expand myself and made me expand who I am in the sense that I keep who I am and, and what I like in Spanish or like from Spain, but they also develop new interests and develop new new taste in music, new taste and new interest in like shows, music. Uh, it's like kind of like traveling, but in a much more deeper way. And of course it has challenges because at the beginning talking in English and saying things about myself and about my emotions and about uh, my life in English was hard. And she was she was always very open and very accommodating, and that made it way easier. And I think that she also learned Spanish very quickly, and she was able to uh, communicate with my family perfectly. And that was also very nice and rewarding for for both of us. And I think, and yeah, I think that it expanded who I am. And it made me grow as a person to be with her and to get out of that comfort zone. And it's it's a challenge, but it's. If it's successful, it's nice and, and something that makes you grow, yeah. I really like what you say. It's like traveling somewhere. It's like being immersed in another culture, but it's the culture of your relationship. It's the, it's the reality of your relationship. So it's like, a, it's like a third culture, as some authors said. It's like a third culture that comes out of the mix of these two cultures that are playing into, into the reality of the intercultural couple. Okay, Shawan, so do you want to tell us about your thesis? Uh, Yes. Uh, So my thesis focused on uh, social support. So that was kind of looking at around the couple, uh, who do the couple rely on? So I focused on um, friends, family and community. uh, When uh, And similar to uh, Kian and Tatiana, I also carried out interviews and I also used a questionnaire. It differed a little compared to Kian and Tatiana. I relied more on a questionnaire. 
it just suited the data collection more. And I looked at different types of support. So this can range from uh, emotional support where you're, you know, going to someone to maybe talk about your feelings, instrumental support, which is more kind of, you can think of as quite active. So maybe you need a lift to the dentist or um, someone to, I don't know, help you if you broke your leg and someone who's there for you. And then you also have informational support. So if you need advice on, yeah, working your dishwasher <laughs> because you just moved out of home. Uh, who do you turn to for that? So it's a, um, yeah, so support, it ranges quite a lot. And I got really interested in it I uh, by finding out that intercultural couples um, apparently get less support than intracultural couples, uh, particularly because in some cultures, intercultural couples can be quite difficult for families, for communities to accept. And I wanted to see for uh, the couples we were talking to, is that an issue that they face? Thankfully, actually, my research showed that a lot of couples get their support from family and from friends, that they are actually quite accepting, uh, which is really good. I was mostly surprised uh, that how accepting family is, particularly parents, because the, a lot of research I had been reading up on, it seemed that parents and older people are less accepting of having someone come into their home who isn't from the same culture. Um, and this can just stem from not even racial issues or ethnic issues. It can just stem from issues that if you're bringing someone into your home who doesn't automatically understand perhaps what's going on, they're not going to fit in as smoothly as someone from the same culture. They maybe won't get the same jokes, um, you know, like humor, uh, maybe language is an issue. So it's just a little bit trickier. And uh, that's what a lot of previous research had shown. But thankfully, with a lot of our couples, it seemed that they had gotten quite close to the families, particularly for couples where we'll say partner A and partner B. So they were living together in partner B's country and then they would get close to partner B's family and it was uh, quite easy for them. I think something interesting I did find, however, was that for the if we had couples or partners who lived um, in a their non in a foreign country that they wanted more support from community and that's something they really lacked and I think that's the thing of when you have someone and you know you've moved away maybe for romance maybe for work and you don't have that support in your community you don't have that support maybe from the people in your work maybe your neighbors you can't rely on them and I think it is so important when you have I think we all know that being in an intercultural relationship and with the research that it, it's a bit more effort, it takes time. And it, I think it's so important to have that support system. And for people who are not living in their native country, maybe that's a bit more difficult. In regards to family as well, something I find um, the reason that people are able to get support from their family is thankfully modern technology. So like we're doing right now, like being able to use Zoom, being able to use Skype, just allowing people to see their family and you know not feel so disconnected like they would have maybe like, 30, 40 years ago. There's even a really interesting research talking about Skype and how just seeing someone's face, you're able to see emotion. Also with research, I think it was for um, Polish couples in Ireland, and they were saying how they would just, for example, put the laptop down in their home and just carry on about the day. And their like parents will be on the other side and they would carry on like through their day and just feel that a bit more connected, which I think is really nice. Also, um, for example, if they have children, um, a way of ensuring that the children get to see their grandparents and having that connection with them. So I think it's pretty cool that in this day and age, it is getting a bit easier for intercultural couples to 
you know, stay close with their family, stay close with their friends. I'm just even thinking of my own relationships. Sometimes that's easier. Sometimes it's harder for me. Um, I live in the Netherlands. My family are in Ireland. That's only a one hour time difference. So it's really easy for me to just, you know, talk to them on Skype and Zoom. Whereas my boyfriend, his family here from Hong Kong. So that's many hours. And it means that for me, for both of us, it's a lot easier if we like just to Zoom with my family or for him to join in with me, whereas it's much more difficult for me to join in with his family, just with the time difference or even to meet them because it's just so far away. So I think like distance, location, also a very important factor. There's also a really interesting study that they did in the Netherlands in 2016 by Van Mol and de Valk. So they looked at uh, international couples in the Netherlands and then also couples in the Netherlands where one of the partners was Dutch and one of the partners was international. And it was really interesting because you had it where the Dutch partner and the so the couples where there's one Dutchy, one non-Dutchy had some issues, for example, like raising children. They were judged more than uh, international couples in the Netherlands because the Dutch family were there and you know perhaps uh, questioning how they're raising their uh, intercultural child whereas the international couple don't have that pressure their family is far away and I think that's definitely something that should be looked at more with social support if you have couples where one partner is from that country surrounded by their social support system and then you're bringing in this other partner who isn't and kind of that the difficulties with that of having one family who's there one family who isn't there and perhaps it's a blessing perhaps it's a curse that you know they're far away they can't judge you but you maybe you want their support I think it's really interesting yeah I think as well when looking at our research and looking at our sample intercultural as we all know is quite a broad term so I think in relation to support from family, I found um, a lot of research, particularly in America, for uh, interracial couples. That tends to be more the issue, particularly if, if one partner was African-American and one partner was European-American. Uh, that seemed to be a big issue for uh, families to meet them, to accept them, which I think is really interesting because you're coming from the same country, same language. But yeah. this is a big issue that some people have. Uh, also, the issue as well of it being fine until they have children and then families having a big issue with that cultural wise uh, racial wise I think also for uh, religion I know we had one participant who said that their parents were okay with the fact that their her partner wasn't the same religion but they they expected that their children would be raised religious and I thought that was really interesting that yeah for some couples it seems fine until children are brought into the issue and then can be you know what language are they speaking what what religion will they be raised in like that communication you know will they be able to talk with their grandparents I think it it brings up a host of different issues that are quite interesting and yeah I think it, if I was to look into this more I would definitely focus more on the racial side of things mm-hmm. um, and also the issues of uh, being a family I think can be quite interesting and that was really my thesis looking at social support mm-hmm good news to know that people mostly feel supported which is really good and that the families are more accepting uh I also found with my research we had some several um people who said that you know their maybe their parents were intercultural or their siblings or friends or their area so it wasn't even that unusual when they brought in someone from a different culture or that they were them maybe their family had moved so for a lot of people I think because intercultural couples are becoming more the norm or living in different cultures, you know, going 
being exposed to uh, people from different nationalities, I think helps immensely in the acceptance of intercultural couples. Yeah, I, I think that it's really, really important, your topic, because there's just so many variables that ha affect social support for intercultural couples. And it goes from very deep things, as you said, for example, race-wise or religion-wise, but it also goes with just logistic things. Like it usually involves, or sometimes it involves one of the partners moving out of away from their family and their friends, their community, and having to adapt to that and like find new support there. Or for example, in my case, my parents, they do not speak English at all. So I feel like if my partner hadn't learned Spanish, it would have been much harder for her to feel the support of my parents, for example, because even though I can tell her that they support the relationship and stuff, she wouldn't have deep communication with them. Or another example, like another logistic issue, one of the interviewees that I had said that their parents were fine with her partner being of a different religion, but he came on a visa to study and the visa required him to go back and work there for some years. And the parents were really struggling with accepting that he, yes or yes, had to go back and she had to either be in a long distance relationship or go with him. And that logistic thing made them struggle to, even though they liked him a lot and she said that they liked him a lot, they, it made them struggle to accept and support the relationship fully. Yeah, I think that's a yeah. really good point. If you, I mean, you can be as a partner accepting of, you know, these issues or logistics, logistical issues that you have with your partner, but it doesn't mean that your family or friends are going to be okay with that. And it can be very difficult when you run into that issue of where your family and your friends just aren't accepting of something that you are accepting of in your relationship. And not having those people to rely on, I think, is uh, quite difficult. Or yes, in that case, being comfortable with something and then just not having your family accept it, I would imagine is quite frustrating. When you chose the topic of social support, for me, it was like, oh, this is actually really interesting. I mean, when you think of a couple, you think what is happening within the couple. But intercultural couples, I guess, go through a different process of acceptance from families, from community, from friends, from understanding what is happening. And like many things are happening around distance, as you say, language differences religion and this is something that intercultural couples might not go through so it's a really interesting topic i believe and yeah thank you for sharing it yes thank you thank you for inviting me to share and well guys this is super interesting and we could go ahead and talk for hours about this unfortunately the episode is about to finish and first, I wanted to ask you, what is the main takeaway you got from the process, yeah, from this journey? For me, I, uh, I think that an important takeaway in a positive note is that diversity also in a couple can be a challenge, but with the right tools to manage it, it's a very enriching experience and a very positive experience for oneself and for, for both in the couple. Um, yeah, I think for me, uh, quite similar that it was so nice to interview these couples and although there were so many difficulties, finding out ways of overcoming those difficulties I didn't even expect, like, you know, you know, creating your own love language, um, becoming really close with your partner's family, just ways of understanding each other and having to communicate even more clearer made couples come really close. I think it, it was really nice to see and nice to hear from couples that 
even with these difficulties, these unique difficulties that they face, they're still so hopeful. Yeah, with for example, with language, finding out that so many of the couples that uh, where one of them didn't speak the other language, their sorry, their partner's mother tongue, that they're currently learning it. I think that was really nice to see. Yeah, and the fact that with the growing amount of intercultural couples, that people are already finding like really cool and interesting ways of you know overcoming this even with the lack of research I don't know they're still I just like think it's amazing how people uh, are handling these situations and yeah it gives me like hope for the future. Thank you Siobhan and Guillaume for sharing your knowledge and your personal experiences with me and the audience. It's been wonderful listening to you and giving the opportunity to the listeners to know and learn more about the topic of intercultural relationships. Also. Thank you to our listeners for tuning in. And now we would like to ask you, what do you think about what we spoke today? What called your attention? Did you learn something new? What were your main impressions about the conversations you listened today? What grabbed your attention or surprised you? Let us know by writing us a review or sending us an email to info at iaie.org.